Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Hey! Media presents the Yelling in My Ear podcast. Documentary filmmaker Dan Napoli and ad agency creative director John Battistini revisit movies, music, TV shows, and pop culture events from the 80s and 90s they experienced as kids. Some of it was great. Some of it was terrible. But all of it will be fun as these longtime friends talk about what influenced them growing up. Welcome to the Yelling in My Ear podcast. You have a, 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 like, I think you were just maybe about to start or whatever, but like, yeah, you have like a little bit of a new gig. I do. Uh, I do. What's going on? What's going on with that? It's good so far. I mean, the interesting thing is I never have to commute again because I'm working for a company that uh, BOL that is based out in San Diego. So that's pretty cool. And I'm still in New York. So for the first time in my life, I'm not a commuter. So that's uh, that is an interesting thing for me. Yeah, you get you get hired. You get hired by a firm in San Diego and end up not having to move and like at working from home. Yeah, um, it's fully remote. We are a remote agency. Like I got people all over the country and um but it's weird because that was something that kind of defined my career, which was I'm a commuter. I commuted to Manhattan to work. Yeah. That's where things are. It's like, and now I don't. And well, for the last two years, I haven't commuted anyway. So it really wasn't that big of a transition, but it's still kind of cool. Um, are they going to bring you out? Like, do you go out a couple times a year? You're going to go out a couple times a I mean, month? Unclear at this point. It will definitely not be a couple times a month. No, no. Especially with, you know, things still going on. Uh, yeah. Once travel becomes more of a thing, I think it will be a lot of travel similar to what I did at my previous employment when I was in Fettleman. Um, we're going for new business, maybe like once a month doing stuff. So it may not be going out there to San Diego per se, but like, oh, we have a new business pitch here. We got to go here, this client, you know, that kind of thing. So nice. I think travel will be a bit of a regular occurrence but more in the client related travel not my team related travel if that makes sense the same with you when you're doing shoots and stuff yeah you know for I mean? sure yeah that kind um, of thing well well dude let's i have we, a feeling we we'll be working together again probably soon i hope so dude. We'll it's, been, it's, it's been there. it's been it's been a, been a minute. minute yeah we're on our about two you know, years global pandemic kind of maybe put a, <laughs> <in the> way. <laughs> stop uh, that but yeah we'll work on that well, dude, speak, but yeah, it's cool. I like it a lot. Good people. Yeah, it's fun. I was out there recently. I met all the people. I rode a Segway. That was an interesting experience. Wow. What year did you go to California? 2002? <laughs> yeah, exactly. How ridiculous was that? Um, no, we did like a, a, a crazy like Segway tour of San Diego and it was surprisingly oh, nice. um it was interesting and like segways kind of have a uh, like a mind of their own but it was it was okay it was cool like i'll tell you like if someone was like hey man do you want to buy a segway i'd be like no if someone's like dude i gotta use segway for like 300 bucks you want it i'd be like hell yeah i want it <laughs> so that, that was the experience uh well speaking of segways in california we can both uh use that as a segue to talk about <laughs> something else from california yeah. um going up north Yes. Uh, which is one of our favorite bands and one of the like most most influential and kind of like um, they they hold a certain they 
hold a certain place of significance in a lot of different things in sort of like the 90s indie story. Uh, and that would be Jawbreaker, a band that we both adore. Can we talk about the elephant in the room as we start? The fact that I'm wearing the t-shirt of the band the night of the show. Is that like the big no-no? Absolutely. No purpose. Absolutely I know better. that I'm breaking the rules. Yes, yes. The thing is, though, is like, does that change? Because it's like now no, it's... No. Okay, I was just making no, sure. Because it is I, the I dude who directed Iron it. Man is now... It was was the guy who famously um, in uh, the film PCU, which is another one that we should probably... Uh, do an episode on it sometime, which is like no. That as far as I'm concerned, that rule is still a hard and fast still in rule. effect. Okay, like, I'm not at a show. When I saw them in Brooklyn a couple of years ago, I did not wear oh. the shirt. Let's right. be clear. And you also have three. Oh, I got to do my opposite point. Yeah, four pieces of oh, vinyl okay. back there in the um, set dressing. I've got, I've got some CDs somewhere behind me. I'd have to. Yes. I'd have to find them. I've got the CDs. No vinyl so, though. I don't have any jawbreaker vinyl. So, dude, where did you? Um, where did you come across Jawbreaker? College. I was definitely in college. What record? Probably 24 hour revenge therapy. Okay. That makes, yeah, that, that about makes the right sense. Time frame. It had to be that. Uh, so Jawbreaker uh, is do sort of a quick roundup. Um, in essence, a band from, I think like 88, 89 okay. to 96. Um, that California like indie punk scene by way of New York university. <laughs> um, and it was very interesting. You know, they became icons at um, Gilman street up in San Francisco, which was a community based um, low cost um, no booze underage uh, punk rock venue. Um, and they kind of, uh, by the way, there's a way better version of this. There's an awesome documentary called, um don't break down that um, did you inter- did you interview the guy that did that one on your other podcast i haven't yet no okay. i we did the guy who did we did the guys who did the descendants documentary Phil okay Mage, okay but i have not um the guys who did don't break down did the minutemen doc mm. um which also was was you super, need to get on that because i want to listen to that so yeah dude i'll do, we'll we'll dig that there. up oh please but, um, make that happen <laughs> So I, th- I think Jawbreaker is, you know, and it's, it's interesting. It's like really sacred for like a lot of folks. So I'm sure we'll like, you know, upset oh, somebody by like oh, not oh, yeah. being, um, you know, um, as accurate as, 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 as we can be or where we're, where we come in. But I, I think what, what's really interesting about them is in a way that like, if you, if you listen to this podcast and you're not our age, you're younger and you want like a story in a band that's the kind of like in- encapsulation of indie versus major, which is a total nineties nonsense. Yeah. It's like jawbreaker is like one of the, like they are the case study, if you will, in this. Um, well, I mean, all right. So let's, I'm going to Blake. I'm sorry. I've gone back as a man now as an adult and listened to dear you. And it's, freaking amazing so i'm really sorry that's all i the have follow to up the follow up to dear you i'm sorry yeah. um but no dude so that's it's interesting oh so good because that's so oh. that's how i came in what though. was wrong with us like i came see that's how i came into jawbreaker i that's came in good. through i came in through the like nirvana college rock college radio doorway like yeah i, I you know i saw their stuff places and i had you know, it's, it's interesting, even in the Don't Break Down film, um, like 
you know, Jessica Hopper, who's amazing um, and actually grew up with Chris Stiltz, which is even crazier. Really? Yeah. Um, Jessica has a fantastic book out. I believe it's called uh, the first, the first American female or the only American female living rock critic. Um, everyone check it out. It's, it's fantastic. Even, even Jessica those. And I'm like, dude, who am I to like argue with Jessica Hopper was, was talking about the like people chasing their own green day. And I know they're from that scene, but like, I just never thought that those bands sounded all that similar. Um, and maybe it's because I came in from the dealer, dear you, which was the more complex, um, you know, attempt at like, I don't know, like a different kind of rock. It's so good, dude. So good. I listen to that. Like, and back then I was a kid, like it was like, ah, full of piss and vinegar. Like they sold out. You know, maybe if you young John, like took a minute to listen to the goddamn thing, I would have been like, this is really good and like you listen to it now and it's like dude you could release that album today and it would sell out it is so good well i th- i think it's interesting too and this is that 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 journey from like maybe like a young person to an older person a little bit in that like um hey did it's you maturity. hear I, I prefer a mature person maturity, okay person. well i was like did you hear dear you it sounds super different what a sellout yeah. But if you take a beat on that, like one, the sellout thing to do be to like remake 24 hour revenge therapy over and over and over. And to take that kind of, um, yeah, it- but they did it on a major label. And then when they went to the major label, it changed. And obviously they had no creative control. They're sellouts. Right, yeah, they were dictated to executives. Which, so, so I'm Sasha sit in this parking lot in Scranton and yell at the world. Dude, you now to, met college to, John. To put this in perspective, Sash, there was like kids, we, kids bought tickets to the Dear You tour to throw change and turn their backs to the bands. Yeah, I mean, who does that? Yeah. How <laughs> bananas is that? I don't think you could get away with that today. Oh, like, no, yeah. of course. The not. social well, first media. Of all, tickets were also only $10. It wasn't right. like a concert plus $9 million. $45 now, for sure. school kids could afford shit. I think that. the thing okay. about it, though, again, like perspective is everything. It's like, but there's no Twitter. In yeah, 1995, right. to, to dump all over this record, change, yeah. right? So like, I'm going to go, man. I'm going to go physically. Well, you know, Twitter is kind of like you know more the magnet for kind of negativity. So it's like yeah, fair point, fair point. I'm going to like, yeah, really? I'm going to kind of jump heard. in there. I heard but Twitter like, was just a heaven. Oh, dude, I don't know. Maybe I'm on. <laughs> maybe I'm on the wrong Twitter. Sasha, I'm curious though, as somebody is like a bit, um, and, and we, I know you love music as well, but you're like 10 years younger than John and I. It is that like when we talk about you know indie major, there's this whole sellout movie. Like like what record label people are on are does or at any point in your music fandom, does that register for you or? Um, not really. And so when this when they broke up the first time because they got back together then again later or not that what? long ago, right? Like no, yeah, 20, uh, 20, 17, 18, maybe. Yeah. Um, but like I was six when they broke. Well, no, 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 that's not right. I was nine when they broke. Oh, up. so you were at the concert throwing change. <laughs> yeah. Right. But by like, <laughs> but the but, record, the whole record label thing, like there were a couple bands that like 
started on like an indie label and then got a major record deal, but it wasn't as that big of a deal. It was like, okay, like whatever. So I I think I'm going to stop listening to you. I think Dan, I think it has to do with this fact. It's like, you're taking my thing. This is my thing. How dare other people like my thing. I think you, yeah, the, the the context to it was really big. And so you actually have to go back to the 80s. Mm. And it's a bit we've got a, a lot on this podcast, so that's not a problem. Right, yeah, right. We spent a lot of time there. Um, <laughs> but because you know, ultimately you're you're talking about um by the nature of it being on indie labels a lot, like music that like other people would not put out. Right, right. Um, and so there's very much people, you know, DIYing, DIYing it, finding a way to get their that music out there, and then also connecting to people. Um, you know, I yeah. just I always remember hearing stuff of people like, I mean, even Co- Kurt Cobain famously said in a thing where you know he was like, I can't, I, you know, I can't rationalize this. The um, the jocks who used to beat me up are now at my concerts. Right. I don't like this. Well, I think um, there's there's a hard thing, and like this is going to probably piss people off, but I'm old now, so I can say this. But there's this like idea that like, like take this for example. It's like you know we were young, we were punks, we liked this stuff. This was our stuff. Nobody else liked it. It's like something like Dear You comes out. It's really good. Well, other people are going to like this. Well, I can't like what other people like because then I'm not different enough. So I'm going to have to get in front of this and be like, well, they sold out now. Like, oh, you like Jawbreaker now? Well, of course you like Jawbreaker now because they sold out. Because I can't associate myself with you mainstream people liking something because that makes me less than. And it's like, no, dude, it doesn't make you less than. It just means we all like good freaking music. Yeah, and and I think it goes back. Make any and, sense? No, it's a, it 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 does. And and to and like to be fair, like I'm probably not as snarked out about it as you are. Oh, I was like snarky when I was. No, 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 that's that's not what I mean. I mean now. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. About about the fact of like, I mean, I I understand that feeling. Like, I totally get that feeling. I mean, it's like again, you have to think about like the context and mm-hmm. uh, you know, music meant so much to people in a yeah. different way than it does now. And right. dude, when you're an outcast and you're an outsider and you feel less than and you feel anxious and oh, and and then I this is your guy. thing, yep. right? And then this is your thing. And then it's shared with like-minded people. Mm-hmm. I oh, think no. that's. The- I'm the guy that felt less than. Dan. Don't get me wrong. I'm <laughs> right, speaking right, right. from experience. I was I the guy that was like, I can't like this anymore. <laughs> that guy's gonna like it. Like right. that was me. <laughs> right, but you're not very understanding of yourself. So, like, I'm giving no. like 21 year old John like a break to be like, no, no, well, my therapist. Well, well, I'm working on that with my therapist, and no, I okay, okay, fair. And it was more like 18 or 19 year old John, but yeah. But I, I will say though, that like, I have come to appreciate like that album in such an, I think it's actually one of their best to be perfectly honest. It's I dude, you know, the, the here, oh, dude, when they, all right, all right. We're talking about 21 year old John. When I saw them in Brooklyn, I forget what the name of the club was. It was so good. I closed my eyes at one point and I was like, I'm back in college. The 20 years just, they sounded exactly they, the same. I mean, they sounded, was, I closed amazing. my eyes and I was 19 years old and I had my whole life ahead of me. And I was like, it was, it was an amazing experience. So again, yeah. Blake, I'm sorry. And Blake, thank you. Um, it's, it's oh God, it's, it's, it's a weird name. It's like the docks. What's, oh, what is that club in Brooklyn? Is that no, where you no, saw it? No, this was at, I can't remember what club this was at. It's an amazing club. And my friend, 
Oh, said his buddy did the sound. It was so good. I cannot. Is it the one with the played. number in it? Isn't there something like I know our buddy David? No, like that's terminal like something. No, it wasn't terminal. It wasn't something. terminal. Okay. No, it was something else, and I can't yeah. remember the name of the club. But the club was phenomenal. They did such a good job. The sound system was incredible. Um, and my buddy knew someone that like did the sound design. He's like, go stand in the balcony and stand in the middle because that's where he optimized the sound when he set everything up, and it just sounded incredible. So, dude. Um some of the four people that listen might know that some of this, them might not yeah. that you're, you were a musician yourself. I'm, uh, I'm really curious. I dabbled with the bass. <laughs> you, you dabbled the bass in some punk bands. I mean, that's yeah, I was in a band or two. Yeah. I like, I'm curious to kind of, to like to circle back. I mean, from, from your perspective as an actual player, like, I don't know, was it ever something that you, cause like I saw the through way from where, if you were like, Oh yeah. Like green day, rancid screeching weasel, um, and then also like go further down into SoCal offspring, bad religion. I'm like Pennywise. I'm like, I see the three way. I just never really saw jawbreaker in that yeah, I mean, similar, it, but, so but I, I didn't either because I wasn't into all those bands. The only other like California okay. punk band that I knew that I was into in college really was no effects. Okay. And like a buddy of mine had the jawbreaker album and that's how I knew it. But I was not a California punk guy i i just wasn't i mean maybe that i was like from new york i was on the east coast i was in college in scranton which is a very you know at the time it was a coal mining town it was very like hardcore still it was like the bouncing souls would come play you know gorilla biscuits like i remember seeing um biohazard the screaming trees social distortion so i just i wasn't into the whole like orange county or california right. punk scene i just wasn't yeah, I mean, like, I didn't know it. So I didn't, I wasn't really, I'll be honest, I wasn't even aware so much of the the connection to Green Day and the Gilman Street thing that they were part of that. I just knew Jawbreaker as Jawbreaker, if that makes any sense. No, but, and sometimes it, it totally makes sense. And sometimes that's the best way to just to know and see. I I, I mean, I think what jumped out at me, um, and I, I think we'll, we'll jump out at anybody that checks out the band for like the first time is, you know, I was like, uh, you know, a journal journalism and a literature, you know, major and minor and writing. And, and it's like, it was so, um, it was so literary, like mm -hmm. Blake's writing and lyrics, yeah. like everything was like, I mean, you take like, um, you take boat dreams on a hill and it's like, this is insane. This yeah. is a super cool song and like a story about a fucking boat. But I'm not thinking about like, you know, it's like it's a French movie and like the yeah. boats, the symbol for like the man's like. Those buddies are um, Yeah. I mean, it's just, I was like, I had never really, um, you know, and you that was. Think about it like that. Yeah. Yeah. And that was another thing was it's like, so even though I came in and away from like, I was, I loved Nirvana. Um, and you know, they very famously, what's when they first started getting a hard time, you know, Nirvana took them out. But I like, Nirvana wasn't like that either. Like Kurt's lyrics were, were incredibly meaningful, but in a different way. Um, I mean, I don't know. Full, Blake's... full disclosure. I had the same feeling when Nevermind came out. I'm like, it's not like bleach. So, oh yeah. I was were... angry with everything. That was just me. You were always <laughs> the too cool for school guy. That's uh, like, I had I their. That's the messed up thing. I was so not cool. I still no, but, but it No, but in yeah. that world, you were, yeah. you were Bender. You were the, you were. Bender. Oh yes. Yes. I was the Bender. I did drink a lot too. Um, yeah. 
but no yeah no definitely like I, well I, it's funny you say that like that there's a version of this shirt that's always sold out that's the green and yellow one that they call the, the nirvana one on their website because that yeah. was the one that kurt wore that kurt every and i think that's yeah. how a lot of people found them and heard of them was like just from yeah. kurt wearing that t-shirt and I, I think again when you try to take like a broader view of stuff what like i don't think that's a bad behavior i think no. that's like a good behavior because it, you know, I always used to do that because somebody very early on to me that was like a music fan said, Hey, look, you know what you should do is like open the liner notes and read them. So young listeners, liner notes were these things that came with CDs or inside records. That let's had be the clear. Lyrics. Records were bigger. So you could actually read the liner notes. Yeah. Uh, now I couldn't read a liner note from a CD to save my life. Dude. I know, right? Um, <laughs> But they always, you know, they always said, read the thank yous besides um, it's the same notes I get or, or give on film stuff. Um, one, a lot of people played on this yeah. and there's engineers and there's, and there's, there's work that you should like recognize and become aware of. But then another mm -hmm. thing is um, bands thank other bands who they like, who influenced them. So pay attention to those things. So, you know, I was very much of the mindset of like, okay, dude, like if you're into Kurt Cobain and he's wearing a Jawbreaker t-shirt, um, you should go actually like, okay, well, like why, why are they do doing this? Even like not even in the liner notes, like sometimes in interviews. Like I remember, like I used to subscribe to Punk Planet. Remember that? Um, oh magazine, yeah, you know, of course, dude. I'd like they'd interview bands, and like whenever they'd be like, "Who's your influence?" I would go looking those guys up and be like, "Who are these guys listening to?" Yeah. Like, no, a hundred percent. That was how we discovered other stuff. Yeah, so that's like you know, I think, I think that's a positive, you know, a positive thing. But again, I get it too. There's, there's always, there's something very. Um, you know, powerful about that. This is my band. These are, this is my, and even 20 bands. years later after breaking up jawbreaker had a mystique. Like, uh, so I, I got this t-shirt like right when they started selling merch again, like I bought it off the website and I did it before the reunion tour and I had it and I wore it to comic-con with Joe the summer when they did the reunion thing. And I remember I'm wearing it around Comic-Con in New York, New York Comic-Con, not San Diego. And like, we're walking around and people are stopping me and asking questions. Like there's a big long line and there's a line to do the comedy. Was it comedy central? Yeah. Like some South park thing. And like a big line, we're walking by and the guy that's like managing the line. It's like jawbreaker. Oh my God. Blah, blah, blah. Starts talking to me. And I was like, and like, like he let us cut the line. The dude from Guar at the table stopped me to talk about it. And my buddy Joe is like, Who's Jawbreaker? He just, he didn't know them. He wasn't like a fan like we were, but it was just, there was a mystique because it was before the, re the reunion and maybe just happened or it was going to happen. It was that summer. And like, I was stopped at least a dozen times by people that wanted to recount what Jawbreaker meant to them. These were total strangers, yeah. you know, stopping me at Comic-Con, which is also weird. Um, but like to talk about my t-shirt, I've never had that happen with any band shirt I've ever worn ever. It's, it's the most like, um, more so than any band, like finding somebody from your hometown. Yes. When you run into somebody more than as well, be like, oh, like, oh, you know, cool, whatever. Like, they, that yeah, Rancid, like yeah. well, you know, Rancid sold a bazillion copies, a yeah. lot of people. But when you had, there still is that kind of like, mm -hmm. oh, really, dude? Yeah. Um, 
it, you know, it's, it's just in, in an incredible, like, it's an incredible connection. And I yeah. think specifically with, with the dear you record, I mean, what, what I take away from that is again, really that kind of like redefinition of the quote unquote, I mean, the, again, the nineties would be like sell out, but like really, I mean, and again, which is so funny. Like, so if I, I put it in like modern terms, I would say, live your truth. It's mm-hmm, the same, mm-hmm. but just being true to what you're doing. Yeah. And I mean, it's like, that's the sellout is not going yes. for being look, Hey, we got signed. Like we're out of the Gilman scene. Um, we're supposed to quote unquote, be the next jawbreaker. Um, that band doesn't make accident prone. Like yeah. they don't write that song. They don't. You do know what a sellout is? A sellout being like one of the biggest rock bands in the world and doing a disco album because the record label told you to. No, we all know the Foo Fighters did that because they're the Foo Fighters. But like, yeah. the, the, people, like it was just why? Uh, why were we so hard on Jawbreaker? Why doing what? To, I, you know, and, and I think too again, they did what I, they wanted to do. Like, like nobody's screaming that Dave Grohl sold out for making a disco album. <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, also very different, very different time and spot. I think, I, I think, very like, um, I think it was Jessica Hopper's part. So they kind of addressed that a bit in the, um, in the film. And, and this, I think, dude, this is another really interesting thing in terms of like creativity. Of, um, I don't, I don't remember this because obviously I wasn't in California, but like apparently, of course, there was a huge backlash to Green Day at the time. And so Mm. Jawbreaker was seen as the last bastion of like, okay, well, like they're not going to come steal our, our guys. And I I think Jawbreaker even, well, I think Jawbreaker even sort of declared, um, Oh, we'll, we would never do that. Yes, that's. I remember that from the oh, movie. It's Billy, it's like it's they, Billy Joe Armstrong. And Billy yeah. Joe's like, oh, dude, don't, don't, don't say that. You don't know because, yeah. like, again, you do kind of from a creative standpoint, right? If you, if, Wait, you, if I could stop for a second, if any sponsors are listening, Dan and I will gladly sell out whatever you want. Okay, keep well, going. I don't know about whatever. <laughs> like, let's take. A, I mean, can but, I talk to you today about male pattern? We're pretty open. To say, yeah. <laughs> You got to find you got to find those segues where you're Prostate like health is very important for men our age. Speaking of change, <laughs> do you need a change to your wardrobe? Yeah. No, but Box I, I think awesome. right. yeah. that was part of it too. They put a line in the sand where they're like, we would never do that. And all the punks were like, yes. And they were like, oh, well, it's not. A, here's the thing. I think the other problem is too this idea of selling out. I think everyone thought it was like. It, I don't know. Was it really that much worse that like, what, what really does it mean? You know what I mean? Dude, that's a, that's an awesome question. So, and like, I mean, I have more money to make my album. So it sounds better. I can do my art the way I want and more people can hear it. Okay. I guess I won't do that. Yeah. So what is, yeah, I, I was going to say like Sasha, the question to you is, um, a band you love, it's like, do you want them to, um, and for the audio podcast only, I'm doing air quotes, like, what's better? Like, maintain integrity and starve and, you know, have the dynamics that happen with four dudes driving around the country in a band or make a living and have a budget to make the art. And that's another thing that sometimes you don't realize, the budget to make the art the way that you want to make it. Like, which is, yeah. you know. Sometimes the first album is the way it is because you, that's all the money you had. 
Right, for sure. And I think honestly, like if I was asked that question when I was in my early 20s and I was still like much more of a snob about the music that I was listening to than I am now <laughs> as a 37-year-old, my answer would be different. But I honestly, like <laughs> my favorite brands, one of them is, for example, is Every Time I Die. Sure. They were very yeah, much that totally. band like mm -hmm. back in 1998, you know, when they first mm -hmm. started. But now they, you know, are on a record label and they are making money that mm -hmm. allows them to make really good quality art like you described mm -hmm. it. And I would rather have it that way. Yep. That very first album they put out was amazing. But every single other thing that they put out equally amazing. And it's yeah. only gotten better because they've got the money and, and the engineering to be able to make it the way that they truly want to make it. And, and you know, the other thing that's weird too, is like, we talk about dear you, it was so different and stuff. Like I, I, feel, I still, I still, even before the reunion stuff would like put the entire jawbreaker catalog into a playlist on Spotify and just listen to it. When you listen to it on random, like, and shuffling through it, like, Dear You is different, but it's not that like when you play their entire. Oh, I think catalog, it's I think it's massively different, dude. I, no, it is, but it's like it doesn't. It's not like it's not like it doesn't fit. Is what I'm That's trying. That's fair. To say. Okay, it's an evolution. It's not like suddenly oh, you're yeah. like, why are there horns? You know, what I, I think mean? if I should Does I should sit sense? up into the mic. Yeah, yeah, I, dude. I think uh, yes, probably an unpopular it's not like take. It feels like a different band or anything. I think Bivouac is probably the biggest, like the time signatures on some Jawbreakers always had really interesting yeah, time yeah, signatures. Yeah. But um, I mean, some of the stuff on Bivouac is like yeah. challenging and that's not bad, but it's not, yeah. again, that's why I guess, I guess just because I didn't experience it from the culture, I experienced it from the music first. I was like, why? Like this doesn't sound like screeching weasel to me. Why are you having this yeah. reaction? Yeah. I was surprised because I am a Green Day fan, and like I didn't know of the whole Gilman connection thing. I just I came to that later when I found it later. I'm like I had the same reaction as you. I'm like I wouldn't put them. I would never put Jawbreaker and Green Day in the same category. They sound different. I like them for different reasons. Like just yeah. because they played at the same venue, I was like, yeah. wow. I didn't think of them as a like. Well, and I think too, it's like, and I mean, Geffen would have been very uh, wise to listen to us back in that. Cause that was the bit is like, everybody's trying to sign their own green day. But again, that was just so much more like Sam, I am and bad, bad religion. Like all of these, I'm, you know, and I'm like, okay, yeah, I get it. I get it. I, I just, I just, I always thought of like, um, God, and I'm sure Adam is cringing if he ever would listen to this. Um, Adam Father, the drummer, but I just I always kind of thought of it as like melodic, like art school punk rock. Yeah, and I mean that in the best complimentary it way. It was much less bouncy and happy as some of the other punk, and on the radio get mad. But I'm like, Green Day was always happy to me. Yeah, it was. It was. Um, it was again with Blake stuff. It was always like thought provoking. Um, and yeah. some of the stuff on, again on Dear You musically, dude. I say this all the time. This is one of the funnest. Like my my probably top three things we've ever gotten to cut to like way back in the day um, when we were doing an action sports um, DVD magazine. Yes, you heard that correctly. Video magazine on DVD. We got to cut to accident prone and mm -hmm. like drum swells in the like back third of that song as it just crescendos. It's I mean, it's just one of the baddest ass things like I've ever heard. And it's just it's just understated and it just kind of like builds and yep. then just, it's and, got and a they, drama to it. 
yeah dude it just it musically oh man it's it's like musically cinematic also yeah i mean fantastic piece of work um john can you give me your top five jawbreaker songs the answer is no because i don't know the names of any of the goddamn songs <laughs> that's awesome i will also accept side side letter and track number i'm like I side b yeah, no, no, because the problem is like it has been so long, and the only way I listen these days is like in Spotify on like random. So it's like you know, and I will listen to the albums. Going, I mean, I really do like Boat on a Hill. Um, what's the song about the party in Oakland? Is that Boat on a Hill? Is that a different? That's a different one. We're like, uh, no, same same record, but that's yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. We're well, like, there's two, the there's Condition Oakland, but then there's that's the also one. That's the one. okay, yeah, Condition um, Oakland. Where they're at, the, like they're singing about they're at the party or something like that, right? Well. That's what I was going to say. So yeah. there's Condition Oakland that's yeah. on 24 Hour Revenge, but there's one of my top three, I would put it in, on Dear You. That probably oh, is the yeah. closest thing that sounds like Jawbreaker. That's bad scene, everyone's fault. Yeah. No, I am thinking of the one off, off 24 Hour Revenge. That's, okay. that's the one I'm thinking of. But like, it's not I'll like be honest, I'm terrible. I don't know any of the names of any of the songs. That does make it hard to put together, like yeah. A listen, I mean, I could like we list. could pause, we could, and I could go grab. I, I could go to my Spotify track listing and be like, "Well, oh, like this one, I like this." But one. we don't have to just pause. Like you could, we could keep rolling. Like we have another, we have another person I can talk to, John. Yeah, I guess I could. You won't hear it if I start. <laughs> oh, you have to run it. Okay, no, I thought you could run over and like grab a CD and oh, look no, out from your shelf is. and be like, "Oh, oh yeah, I love track nine. I love track seven. It used to be alphabetical, but for those of you that can't hear me, it's because I turned around to look at my CDs. Because yes, I still have physical CDs uh, behind me, because um, I never threw them away. But I, I, it's it's not organized. I don't know where they are. Yeah, uh, John, are you? Um, oh, and then we'll have to ask Sasha too, because this stuff matters. Yeah. Record collection. Yeah. Chronological, alphabetical, autobiographical. How do you how do you sort? Un, unsorted unsorted i think that definitely is oh i'm making people go crazy (laughs) yeah yeah that's wow i couldn't uh completely unsorted it's just i also still have cds but they're in a book and they're alphabetical order nope nice by artist nope yes okay which is important and then it's chronological order all the cures i'm a crazy person all so the, artists, most artists, of the me first is here, but no. So artist is the A level, but then so like all of your every time I die records oh. are in chronological order. Yes, mine are in. Next band. So it's I like take a that back. Score. Mine are not yeah. unsorted. Mine are in what I like is within arm's reach because it's over my shoulder. So what happens is I take stuff out, I'll put it back because I'm lazy. So I'll put it back closest to me. So again, the records that I play the most are in the front of the pile. And don't get me wrong. Like my record collection isn't because I collect vinyl. It's because I'm old and I never threw it away. When I started collecting records, it's how they came. I have my dad's. I have a bunch of like hella old records over there that were my dad's that like, I don't know what they are. Except for the Kenny, uh, Kenny Rogers. That's some good shit right there. Wow. Ooh, yeah, I know. I mean, I'm more um, 
and they're really getting into punk rock with like seven inches because it's like yeah. if, if you want to say talking like growing up so like elementary school middle school and the beginning of high school it was tapes yeah for um, me it was, it was records like, my parents tapes. had records but none of my tapes survived i uh, moved oh yeah Jesus, i don't have any i don't those. i don't have a tape yeah. i don't know what happened i had so many tapes you're right dan it was all tapes and the records yeah. survived but the tapes did not and all the cds obviously survived yeah well set yeah seven inches sorry i'm yeah. adjusting my camera Do i have any i have a, i have a cup yeah i never um I had at one point stolen, permanently borrowed, air quotes, um, from somebody a bunch of the sub pop seven inches. Because when I went to college, I forget, I started college in 89. And like a couple, yeah, a couple guys I knew Uh, were on the sub pop club. And like, I mean, I don't know whatever happened to those. I can't find anymore. I'm sure they got stolen back. But because don't forget, when did that start? In like 88, 89? You know what I mean? Yeah, somewhere. Yeah, I think it, 90 maybe. Yeah, 90 um, is like the record club. Yeah, I was. Right. That's when I was in college. From you know, in the night, in the early nineties. Yeah. So I knew I, someone that had all those. I just watch. Um, so it was broke, so I didn't buy a lot of it. So a lot of like my experience with the stuff was not on stuff I owned. It was stuff right. I borrowed and then either gave back yeah. or got stolen. Oh yeah, dude, that's a whole nother thing, right? This like ecosystem of people um, because of the fact that like everybody didn't have all the music they could possibly want for $4 in their pocket. So you had like tastemakers who were like, Oh, we're going over to this guy's house for yeah. a party. And he's got records that you wouldn't, Oh, that's easy. Yeah. You wouldn't believe what he has. Mm-hmm. Or like, this is, you know, I was in college and it's like, this is so-and-so. And like, there was a couple guys from California that had a bunch of like local stuff, but the one of them was like super into ska. So it just wasn't my thing. I was yeah. like, it was way too happy for me. So I like, you know, so maybe if I paid more attention to the rest of his collection, I might have been exposed to more of those, you know, those California punk bands. But otherwise, yeah. the very first one I I was exposed to is No Effects. That was like the first true like California band. Nice. Well, I think we're getting ready to, to wrap up Jawbreaker here. Yeah. Uh, I'm John. Uh, parting parting words. Like, what would you what would you recommend? And why, why would you recommend somebody check, check them out that, that is unfamiliar? I mean, it, it, the music holds up is what I would say, especially dear you. It, 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 it still fits with anything that's coming out now in like a post-punk kind of post-hardcore world. I mean, yes, the, the, the way it's produced is slightly different, but I feel like it has a lot of the same things that you're hearing um, today. So I think it still holds up, especially we said it's artistry. I mean, the lyrics yeah. the poetry of it. Um, yeah. And dude, if I can recommend, they might be out of press right now, but like right over my head, um, you can see, I'll try to lean out of the way. Uh, this amazing record by a guy named Gordon Withers that is jawbreaker covers on cello. Mm-hmm. It's so amazing, dude. Cool. And it's so good. And you can also really see, um, some of it was used in the documentary, but you can also really see how good the music is like mm-hmm. structured when it's played in kind of like a different forum like that. It was kind of interesting. And I'm a little uh, jealous. I don't believe that my 24 hour revenge therapy is colored vinyl. I see. Oh red. yeah, dude. Uh, I don't think actually mine is it's like red. a dark pink. Uh, is it? I don't, is, I don't yeah. think mine is colored. I'm going to look it up. It's over Record there. Record store day, man. You go support. Those yeah. Locals. I don't, I don't have, I don't think I have the artists. Like what is it? RSD yeah. day one. I don't yeah. think I have that one. I think I just have the regular vinyl. I think yeah. it's. And then black. my uh, my dear you is blue. 
Oh, is it like, really? Yeah, dude. You know I love colored vinyl. I'm such a sucker for yeah, the dude, very I'm at the first point now. All right, no, no, so, go ahead. So, total segue. The very first time I discovered colored vinyl was I bought the Alien Sex Fiend 12 inch for my brain wow. is in the cupboard above the kitchen sink. And it was on green vinyl. And I lo- I didn't even know colored vinyl existed. I, I discovered it in a record store. It was called the Square Circle. I don't know. It was like something weird in the mall. I, I was in high school and I was like, I, so I've been obsessed with colored vinyl ever since then. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of cool access now. I think there was like a less than Jake seven inch early early on like they had stuff coming like pizza boxes and that i had seen and it was this like orange and red i'm like what the hell i'm like does this actually work i never bought it but record world by me had this agent orange another california punk band i wasn't into record that was a seven inch but shaped like a skateboard and it was like a picture disc and it was literally the shape of a skateboard like I was like, I should have bought. Now it's probably millions of dollars. How are you not into any of these California skate punk? I guess because you're a New York kid and you have the option. I wasn't. I just it wasn't my thing, and I was a skater, but I just wasn't into like the faction and or any of that stuff. So that's a good. I like that. Um, Let's talk about New York City hardcore. We'll do. We'll do two music episodes, uh, releasing them back to back. Um, Let's talk about um, New York City hardcore. Um, eighties, nineties, and you kind of you kind of growing up more like around that. I think that that yeah. will be a bit interesting. Yeah, I can talk about that. Yeah, um, we'll, we'll definitely. We're we're wrapping up talking uh, about Jawbreaker um, because uh, not the day you're listening to this, but the day that we're recording it, it is the twenty sixth anniversary of the release of the Dear You record, uh, which is a fantastic piece of music. I definitely recommend uh, go check it out. Um, yeah, you definitely that's seen everyone's it. fault, accident prone, and fireman. Um, I'm such dude, I'm such a wannabe A and R. You really guy, are, You're right? Like, Jesus Christ, guys. dude, you're the like, reason they had to sell out because you're like, give me the next Green Day. Somebody, somebody else is going. That's both Lurker Part Two is who I should be. Yeah, pulling all yeah. these like deep cuts, uh, but I think those are those are solid entries. Sash, have have you listened to to much Jawbreaker in your your musical time? Um, I have like here and there, but it wasn't like really on my radar. Um, but I actually, before we recorded today, pulled it up and like every single like pop punk bands, like since then has bits and pieces of them. Like <laughs> That's a good- the second he started Thank singing, you. I was like, is this against me? Mm-hmm. because against uh, me some, could be a jawbreaker cover band. I mean, honestly, mm-hmm. wow, that's a really good point. Yes. <laughs> wow. That is a great, and, and again, such a mark of, of like, honestly, art and creativity. And that's, what's cool. When you go back and you find these things, mm-hmm. you see how much of them are sprinkled throughout. And that doesn't devalidate. I'm not devalidating new stuff. And I love against me, but yeah, yeah it's interesting. Band. Yeah. You see, you see parts come in some different stuff. Um, Sasha, if you haven't, um, and our, our listeners as well, uh, the documentary don't break down is amazing. It's really good. Yeah. I mean, there's literally some of the most uncomfortable scenes I've ever seen in any documentary film. Um, it's the first time that the bands got back and jammed together and, uh, the director's asking, which again, I totally respect He's directing Blake Schwartzman. He's he's asking him questions to break down like the lyrics behind songs, and Blake's just no selling, just no selling to the high hill of like, hey, 
Do you want to talk about accident prone? No. No. <laughs> oh, no. He, to, he does like four of them and then finally is kind of like, hey, I'm I'm not trying to be a dick, but I think I ruined stuff if I but it's just like this like boom 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 of pause, pause, and he's just like, nah, man. Nah. So I wrote good. it down. I will definitely be checking yeah. it out. Uh, I think it's on Amazon Prime. I think it's streaming on Amazon Prime right now. Um I'm Dan Napoli. I'm John Bettacini. I'm Sasha. Uh, and this has been yelling in my ear. We'll talk to you guys again soon. Bye. A Huda Media Production.